Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. You're very welcome back and Joanna Fortune joins us as always this time for Parenting. Joanna, good to see you. How are you good today? Good to see you. I'm good, Tom. And yourself? Very well indeed. This midterm, we've got yeah. 300 pages of questions yeah. for you. So <laughs> Loads get, of time for questions on midterm. stuck into them. <laughs> yeah. As they come with us, how is. Um, this is how to encourage my eight-year-old to be positive. Mm. I would love Joanna's advice, please, on how to encourage my eight-year-old son to be more positive and try new things. He's a kind, friendly boy who has several very good friends in school and plays and interacts well with his older sister, who is 10, and his cousins and friends. My concern is that he is negative about a lot of things when he speaks, particularly to me. When I collect him from school, he'll be frowning and he'll tell me the one thing that went wrong in school or soccer practice, etc. Yet I see him walking to the car with his sister and they're smiling and chatting. His dad says he's not like that with him when he picks him up. I notice he sometimes speaks in whispers when he's in my parents' house. Is it just an attention thing? I've tried to ignore it and have asked that unless there was something wrong to try and smile. Uh, when he meets me from school or crash, He is trying this and I'm praising his efforts. The teachers and after school services say he's very content in both places. I do work Monday to Friday but I try to play football with him each day and sit down for meals etc. I am naturally a glass half empty person and try not to uh, try now to limit any negativity that I verbalise. How do I teach him to be happy or is it just attention seeking? I was wondering if drama lessons that his sister goes to might help him with confidence or expressing himself. However, he refuses point blank to try anything new bar soccer. Oh, there's a lot going on in there, isn't there? Yeah, there is. You know, the the things that jump out and in a weird way, as as you were reading that, I was like, I had a question about the question and then it got answered within here. You know, this parent identifies as what they're calling a naturally glass half empty person themselves. And in no way hear what I'm about to say as blaming the parent. It's not because actually, if we can see our role in the challenge we're having, we can also see the, the transformative effect that we could have if we work from us to our children. And what I really mean by that is if we were to flip this and instead of focusing on how you can get your son positive and teach him to be happy and all of those things, because they're not cognitive things that we can teach anyone. They're very emotive things. Maybe we could explore options of affecting change in him through the parent. Because, and I've often said it here, our kids take their social, emotional, behavioural cues from us. They're safe, trusted adults in charge, their parents. And so we are in that way the emotional thermostat of the relationship. We set the tone, the emotional tone. So if we're setting the heat and you say, look, you lean into kind of negative thinking, Mm. negative speaking. Yes, you are consciously more aware of it and consciously trying to limit it. That doesn't mean when you're triggered and activated that you won't do it. Might he be taking some of his own negativity speak as a cue from you? Right. Um, I'm just wondering there as you're saying that, that he doesn't seem to take the cue from the other people. And, and also he's showing you that he has capacity to experience and express joy, contentment, happiness. It's peppered all the way mm. through this letter. So he may be giving you his negativity in a bid to connect with you. And that's the bit that jumped out at me as well, because twice this parent is asking us, is it an attention seeking thing? And too often what we dismiss in our children as it's just attention seeking, don't pay it any attention. First of all, if our children are looking for attention, we should give them attention. That's what they're looking for. 
But what can look like attention seeking is more often connection seeking. And if he is seeking to connect with you, which is a positive, healthy thing, and he has understood at some level kind of doing the moany thing or the whiny thing or speaking negatively is something he perceives that you will particularly understand okay. and empathize with him in. That's about connection. So and I also hear you're doing so much good here with, you know, you're trying to play football with him every day because you've identified that's something he really likes, he enjoys and you're seeking to connect with him at that level. So there's a whole lot of good in this situation. And I think the quickest way you will affect change in his negative speak is to start with yourself. You know, I and I really want to frame this clearly for you because you when somebody says I'm a naturally glass half, half empty person. I mean, that's not like it isn't like any of us are born naturally one way, naturally the other. How we are is part of our story. And we're all storied people. We live storied lives. We're born into family narratives. We have experiences from the get go of our lives that shape us. And we evolve and respond and react to all of those things. You deserve a space to work through that story and to now change the story that you're living by. So I would be suggesting that you seek out some support for yourself where you can work through that negative bias that you're leaning into and affect change in him by starting with yourself, leading by positive example, I suppose, okay. is the best way to put it. And I'm thinking, you know, I mean, you're working full time and you're still managing to play football most days. Fair play to you. Yeah, you God, know, well done. Oh, seriously, well done. That's a big commitment. And it's exactly what our kids need. They want us to be interested in what interests them. You know, that's yeah. really important. I am curious, do you enjoy football? You know, are you enjoying the football every day or are you enjoying it? Everybody enjoys football. Uh, I mean, I'm literally so, shaking my head if anyone could see me going, do they though? Yeah. Do they? Um, so I would say, yes, play the football. It's what he enjoys. But try to find something you both enjoy. Sure. So you can have that opportunity of shared joy. It could be a story. It could be doing a craft project. It could be baking or cooking. It could be getting out for a walk or a run. It could be anything at all. It doesn't matter. But that find something that you authentically, genuinely enjoy with him because how any of us develop a capacity for joy in life is that at some point we have experienced being enjoyed by somebody else and that has been gifted to us, then we enjoy that experience and we go in pursuit of joy. So I would look for opportunities for shared joy. I'd start by gifting yourself a space to really understand your own patterns and change those. And then perhaps you could look at something, if anything, that is more dyadic, which would be about your relationship with your son. I like that you're asking him, by the way, tell me something good that happened. And you could frame that we're all allowed to have highs and lows in our day. That's quite normal and healthy. But ask him when he gets in the car, what was the best bit of his day and what one thing does he wish he could change? Okay. And you're saying one thing that he could change. Yeah, yeah. Very good. So he's taking a lot of the cues from you. And and if you can improve what you're giving out there by looking at yourself. Yeah. That's good. Very good indeed. Fascinating as always, John. Um, on to number two. And uh, this is my son is four and is fixated on learning to tie his shoelaces on his own. However, he is yet to master the skill. This is frustrating him so much. He hates it when he's unable to do something and he starts to lash out, throwing things across the room and screaming. We show him how to tie his shoes multiple times a day. We watch YouTube videos on it and he will sit with a shoe in his lap and try to do it for as long as his temper allows. It's really bothering him and he's so obsessed with learning it. How can I help him stay calm when he struggles with something? Also, is this something for a four-year-old should even be able to do? No. 
Well, it's funny now. That's the fact of the day was to do with Velcro. <laughs> and I said, you can redo Velcro 50,000 times before it even starts to wear out. Absolutely. And I thought immediately of this. Uh, yeah, the fact that his shoes have laces at four years old, I mean, you could definitely go down the Velcro route. But I mean, when I say no as quickly as that, typically... And now always hear ages as developmental guidelines. These are not, you know, cast iron. Your child turns this age, they must be doing this because no two children are the same, even in the same family. But typically children are between five and seven years old when they master lace tying because it's really hard. He's finding it hard. Some people never because master it's it. Hard. Completely. Well, think about what's involved, though. You have to use both hands at the same time while each hand is doing something different. Yeah, it's crazy. That's very difficult. You know? <laughs> so to find a difficult thing, difficult is a congruent expression on the situation. So I'm not surprised he's very young for it and it's a very difficult thing to do. Now, he seems pretty determined as a personality and he also, I'm going to say to you, be aware that he's flagging some perfectionistic tendencies because you do say, you know, he get he lashes out when he's not able to do something. So I, my read on that is it's not just about the laces, it's currently the laces. But actually... Now, he's four. Everybody knows four-year-olds have a small, limited frustration threshold at the best of times. But his might be even more tenuous, OK, than than your typical four-year-old. So you might want to play a little bit with delayed gratification and impulse control. So gradually he's learning to master those tension-rousing experiences rather than everything as a flashpoint of frustration. And the way you do that is kind of stop-start games, you know, red light, green light, um, musical statues, move, move move, freeze, wait till I say go. Um, Simon says, mother, may I? All of those are impulse control type of play, keeping it really simple. And those things really help and starting to play them young. We were playing impulse control games. Absolutely. No one told us that. They didn't high five us and say great impulse control work there. Look at you You nailing delayed gratification. (laughs) That's clearly it. But I do think as well that you could play with this because it's on, it's, it's in the family now. You're watching the YouTubes and you're trying things out. Is get a piece of cardboard and make holes in it, lace through the holes and just play with it. Just have fun with it. Learn how to tie funny knots, twist the laces, put them in and out of the holes. Just have fun with it as best you can. But I also would be saying to him, you know, tying laces is for I don't know, senior infants, first class, that's for later. And we'll just play with this. And I would try and redirect him to something that's easier for him to master than this. But yeah, mastering some tension rousing stuff is there. Very good. Oh, laces are hard. They are hard. And trying to keep them closed is a challenge at any time in your life, I would say. Um, Velcro is your only man. This now, 10 year old worried about pickups. The number of times, the number of you know, times when it becomes an issue is quite, you'll hear, yeah. is, is startling. Okay. Um, I have a query regarding my 10 and a half year old daughter who's the eldest of three, a nine year old brother and a six year old sister. I work part time and my husband works full time. So she is with my mum three afternoons a week. She's collected from school by my husband with her sibling and dropped my mum's. I collect uh, the two other afternoons and we come straight home. Over the last few months, she gets quite upset about collection times when we are not there. Some examples. One, if she walks out the school gate and cannot see my husband or, or I, she will start crying. 
She has, uh, we have never left her stand waiting for us. I finish work at 5.30. If I'm not there to collect her by 5.45, she gets upset and asks my mum to ring me. This is fine. I tend to ring my mum to let her know I'm on the way. Number three. If myself and my husband go out together, which is not very often, she'll get upset about us going out. What time will we be home at? Can we ring when we're there, etc.? She doesn't enjoy birthday parties anymore. She gets upset around home time. And she says she gets a bit worried that we won't be there to collect her. This has only started over the last six months or so, so I've thought it was possibly she had grasped the concept of time and how long it takes to get from A to B. But then I need something about, I read something about separation anxiety. She was fine before with all the scenarios above. When I ask what, why, what she gets upset about, she says she's worried that something has happened to us. Mm. We're wondering how do we help her through this? Do we ring to check in, stand at the school gate and wait till she's more comfortable? Or do we continue as we normally would? Uh, before she started getting so worried. Any help that you can offer? Oh gosh, there's a lot going on for her and she's 10 and a half and I think a lot of what I'm going to answer about this is bearing in mind that she is in that middle childhood stage but also pre-teen age when a whole lot of change is going on. Okay, Um, emotionally, cognitively, physically, biologically, a lot of change is going on and a lot of kids this age can get very overwhelmed by just... I suppose, shifting sands. Things yeah. are not staying the same. It's also an age when we can see some developmentally typical, but, ch- you know, challenging for kids, changes in friendship groups and in peer interaction and in connections. I would get a bit curious about this one. Um, like this parent said, she was fine before yeah. this six months ago. She was fine before. And I immediately was thinking, before what? You know, mm. let's hold that in mind and think, reflect back to the last time this was okay when she wasn't showing you any of these signs, what was going on in that time and what has changed? And think about it from the perspective of your daughter who might be emotionally sensitive anyway and feels things and any perceived hurt at a very deep level. What has changed? Um, And as I said, maybe it's her who's changing and she's scared to be away from you while these changes are happening for her. So when we feel those uh uh-oh feelings and anxieties and worries are bubbling up in us, and of course, somebody says to us, why? What's upsetting you? What are you worried about? Sometimes the answer is, I don't know. And that's that's my sure. truth. And sometimes it's, oh, I got to give you something. I, I'm worried something will happen to you. Sure. So, and I just say that. Um, I would say to you, you need to sit with her, ask her. Now, using acceptance and empathy. So that means do not jump in, minimize her fears, dismiss them. Sure, that won't happen. You don't be worried about that. Just listen to what is going on in her mind and her body and say to her, when, what is the story you're telling yourself when you feel like this? And where does that feeling live in your body? Even try to get her to think about things like what colour would that feeling be? What shape? What texture? Is it heavy? Is it light? Where is it living in your body? Try to get her to really drill into what's behind this overt sure. behaviour because she's showing you some hypervigilance. You know, what time is it? Why aren't you back? Yeah. Why aren't you this? Um, I wouldn't lean in immediately to go and it must be separation anxiety. I don't see enough in this letter that would lead me to that conclusion. But I think because there is quite a change and a number of changes in a relatively short period of time, six months, if you can't get to the bottom of this and this was to continue like this for another couple of months or if it was to increase beyond this, it might be worth looking to bring her somewhere like to a play therapist, a play-based psychotherapist sure. who could actually sit with her and give her a space to emotionally exhale some of this so okay. that she might interweave 
some of what's going on with a narrative so that she can make more meaning of it with and for you as well, as much as for herself. But I would try this out a little bit by coming back to her. Just listening, though, don't don't jump in with our well-intentioned fix and change and rescue agenda. Sit with her until you both find your way through this feeling. Brilliant. Joanne, as always, thank you very much. Thank you. Moncrief. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Weekdays at 2pm on News Talk.